Hey, you all. Welcome to Active and Connected Families. Today is a Wednesday, and I had a kind of fun weekend. Um, as you know, I'm working really hard to lean into new things so that I can keep things exciting, get some endorphins going, and I think really just figure out what I enjoy now that I'm not kind of constantly making sure my kids are safe all the time. And to be honest with you, I have really thought that pickleball was going to be the answer for me, y'all. You People hear me saying everywhere, I'm either going to you know, buy a Ferrari, have a baby, or start a pickleball league. And I really thought pickleball was kind of the most accessible of those options. Also, just so you know, it is the fastest growing sport in America. Anyone can play. And I did learn that folks who play racket sports live 16% longer on average. So I'm all in for pickleball. But also, I want to tell you all that this Sunday, I had a friend ask me if I would play a pickup soccer game with them. And obviously, I said no, because I don't play soccer. I haven't played since I was 11. I don't own cleats. I don't own shin guards. And I generally don't like to do sports that I'm not good at. But at the last minute, I realized that I am trying to lean in and that Cole, my oldest, and I have the same shoe size. And so I could just put on his cleats and go and try it. So I took myself to the soccer field. I played soccer for 90 minutes. I promise you my heart rate was at like 180 the whole time. It was so, so hard. I was terrified anytime anyone passed me the ball. Can't do a throw in because I have a shoulder injury. You all, there were so many reasons that I shouldn't have done it, but it was so, so fun. There's no way I'm going to get a cardio workout like that in any other way. The folks were so nice. It's Wednesday. I'm still really sore, but it was so worth it, you all. So I'm just telling you in case it inspires you to say yes to something that you would usually not say yes to. It could be like hanging out with a new person, trying a new activity, whatever it is that new. I just want you, that's new. I just want you to think about it because y'all, you're listening to a soccer player now. I'm all in and it was amazing. So today we are going to be talking about something totally unrelated than what I just chatted about, but that's how to show your kids you are listening. I'm going to highlight three specific skills that usually feel good to your kids and are also really, really doable and transferable for you all. Thanks so much for listening as always, and I hope you all have a great weekend. Active and Connected Families is a smart, relatable conversation with me, Dr. Amanda Sovic-Johnston, child psychologist, mother of three, and entrepreneur. I've spent my career providing family therapy and supporting high-achieving mothers, and maybe even more hours with my girlfriends trying to figure out how we can all feel more confident in our work and our relationships. And you all, there's one thing I've noticed. We're all struggling in some of the same places and we're all looking for some down-to-earth advice that we can actually use. So on Active and Connected Families, I'll share some of the insights I've learned, strategies for those daily fights about laundry, some expert perspective on the bigger issues like the mental health crisis, and me chatting with my therapist friends about how we can all feel a little more active and connected in our lives. Throughout, I hope to make you laugh at least once but I know I'll leave you with something that'll help you become a better parent and maybe even person. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, you all. 
The conversation that I have with most parents in my office is around how do we listen to our kids when they are talking about their feelings? And the skill of listening is important for a lot of reasons. And one of the main reasons is that when we listen well to our kids, we are reinforcing them for talking about their feelings. And we all know that talking about our feelings is important. And if you don't remember, you can listen to the episode two weeks ago. So if we want our kids to talk about their feelings, which we do, we need to really reinforce them when they do it. Another reason I teach parents about how to listen to their kids is because when kids do talk about our feelings, they are letting us closer to them. They are giving us a gift by allowing us to understand them, allowing us to see them. And believe me, I think we all had kids because we want to know who they are and we are so proud of who they are and we want to be close to who they are. And in order to be close to who they are, we have to hear how they're feeling. We want to know. And it's hard sometimes when they're feeling feelings that we don't think make sense or if they're feeling feelings that are maybe, you know, slightly aggressive towards us. It can be really difficult to hear how they're feeling. But anytime our kids tell us how they're feeling. It is truly a gift. And I think if we can remember that, that really helps us engage in the listening process. And despite how important listening is, you all, it is hard. It is so hard to do as a parent to listen to our kids most of the time. And I hate to say that, but y'all are parents too. So you get it when I say that it's really hard. Sometimes our kids don't present their feelings in the nicest way. Sometimes they are like, banging doors, or sometimes they are yelling at us, or sometimes they are rolling their eyes, or sometimes we as parents are really, really busy or distracted, or we don't even realize when our kids are telling us something important. So one of the things I talk to parents about all of the time is a simple step-by-step formula that I've sort of created over the years around how to listen to our kids when they are talking to us. And truly, all this formula works with parents, it works with partners, it works with friends, coworkers. Um, I use it across my life. And so before I tell you the formula, I'm also going to tell you what the guiding principles are so that you can remember them as you learn the formula. So my first guiding principle is that parents have two ears and one mouth. By the way, I'm stealing this from Winx Lawrence. I don't know who she stole it from. Maybe she came up with it, but it's genius. And we have two ears, one mouth. And what that means is that we need to be listening two times more than we are talking. You can imagine for me, this is super hard because I love to chat and I love to solve problems. But as a parent, it is my job to listen to my kids. And as part of that, another guiding principle that I always kind of stay connected to is to be curious. And what this means is to stay open to what our kids are expressing. It is so easy to hop in and judge. It is so easy to hop in and problem solve. It is so easy to just kind of know what they're going to say and want to just like jump to the end. And it's really, really important that we stay curious to their experience and curious to what they need from us. So stay curious. And the third guiding principle is to stay focused on listening and not problem solving. It is so normal when someone that we love, and especially one of our children, 
if they come to us with a problem or a hard emotion, it is so normal for us want to want to fix it. And to be honest with you, sometimes I feel really, really busy or I feel stretched between, you know, multiple people kind of talking to me at once because that's what happens in my house. And so if a kid comes to me with a problem, I almost want to jump through the listening to the problem solving because I feel like, oh, I can just take care of this. But the quicker we problem solve, the more that shuts our kids down. We know this is really, really true in marital literature. We know we don't like it when our partners just quickly problem solve for us. We feel shut down. And so the same is true for our kids. So we need to stay really open to listening and not jumping into problem solving. Okay, and now for the formula. And I'm going to go through these fast, and then I'm going to explain each one to you, even though it's only three steps. The first one is to appreciate, the second to explore, and the third is validate. Again, appreciate, explore, validate. So when you appreciate that your kids are talking about your feelings, this is how you're going to immediately reinforce them for letting you know what's on their mind. If a kid says, I'm angry at you right now, you appreciate that they are using their words and not throwing a shoe at your face, right? So you'll say, wow, thanks so much for telling me. Or that sounds really important. I appreciate you telling me that. Or any sort of acknowledgement that you notice that they're talking about their feelings. Thanks so much. I see you. It's also your signal to plug into them and get your mind right, you all. Anytime your kid tells you how they're feeling, it's a gift. And so this is your moment to like stop stirring the macaroni on the stove and really kind of stop and listen to what they're saying. The second step is to explore. And this step is really grounded in getting curious. So you're going to ask a question about the feeling that your kid is saying. You're going to ask a question about their experience. Like, is there a specific time that you felt that way? Or can you tell me more about that? Or you said you felt nervous. I'm not quite sure I understand how that happened. Can you give me more context around that? So you're going to explore openly whatever it is that they are bringing to you. The really, really important piece in this is to not get into a leading teaching question. And what I mean by that is don't take this question as the opportunity to get a specific answer out of your kids about what you think they should be experiencing or what you think is right. So for instance, if a kid says, I'm really frustrated when you give me a to-do list, mom, it's really, really easy and tempting to say, well, do you think I do a to-do list because you're not getting your stuff done on your own? Or well, why do you think I write your to-do list, right? The idea is to ask a question that's really about their experience. So what is it about the to-do list that feels frustrating to you? It's not a teaching question. Your third step is to validate whatever feeling that they're bringing to you. And that just means letting your kids know that you get why they're feeling that way. People, including kids and teenagers, don't have feelings out of nowhere. They are all rooted in something. So it's your job to try and understand why they're having that feeling and then communicate that you understand it. So a validation is something like, oh, I get it. It makes sense that you're feeling frustrated about that. Or 
huh, I never really thought about that. But now that you said it, I get it. Thanks for letting me know. Or thanks so much for explaining that to me. Or I see why you would be mad about that situation. Any of those work as a validation. And again, the idea is to communicate to your kid that that feeling makes sense to you. Because it should, you all, it should. If you've gotten curious accurately on some level, the feeling should make sense to you. So again, the steps are appreciate, explore, validate. Now, once you master these three skills, I can give you some strategies to help you level up a bit. So once you've consistently applied these three steps in order, truly feel free to mix them up or use one more than the other based on what you think your kid needs in the moment. Like last night, I had a kid expressing his feelings, maybe not in the best way, but he was really disappointed about something, understandably. And so we really didn't get into the explore because it was so obvious why he was feeling that way. So I just did a lot of validating and a lot of appreciating. I didn't have to do the explore. So you're going to be able to use these flexibly based on what your kid is bringing to you. And honestly, once your kid expects you to use these strategies, they're going to expect you to really hear them. So you won't have to do as much upfront work to do it in order. Because you've reinforced them for talking about their feelings so much, they're going to come in and be able to do it with more ease and you won't have to go through these steps as much. Another way of leveling up is giving your kids some power over how to kind of signal to you that they need you to kind of turn your listening ears on or kind of plug into them. So I frequently teach kids to say something to their parents like, hey, mom, remember when Amanda taught us how to talk about how to talk about my feelings and she taught you how to listen? This is one of those times where I really need you to do that listening. So I get the kid to kind of say like, hey, mom, I need you right now. Focus in. Now, that only works if you've engaged your kids on the idea that you're working on listening. And if you have, that's actually kind of a cool family experience to talk about how can we all listen to each other. So truly, you can give your kids the power to say like, hey, mom, I really need you to listen right now. And then that's your cue, if you can, to plug in. And finally, once your kids expect that you're going to hear them and they're going to feel heard in the moment, that's when you can actually start moving into the problem-solving part with them. Just like a partnership, though, it really helps if you have their buy-in first before you move into problem-solving. So again, once your kids feel heard, then you can actually move into problem solving. But if you skip over the feeling heard, the problem solving is never going to work. Now, I will say this. I have found that many, many parents are naturally kind of inclined to live in the feeling part or to live in the problem solving part, right? Like some parents come in naturally and they're so good at hearing the feelings that they kind of forget to transition into the problem solving. And then there's another group of parents that are so good at problem solving that they just kind of move quickly through the hearing. And so it's it's figuring out where your weakness is and really working on developing that skill. Personally, as a therapist, Guys, you think I'd be really good at the feeling part, and I do love to talk about feelings, but I am a problem solver. 
So I know that it's really important for me to use these skills before I start talking about problem solving. That's where I have to spend my energy. And I think it's important for you guys to think about which one of those do you do naturally and where can you learn and grow? Because we're all learning new things, y'all. So one of the things I frequently ask my kids is, do you feel like I get it, right? Do you feel like I understand? Because if I know they feel understood, then I can start moving them into the problem solving part, right? If they say, no, I don't think you got it, then I'm like, okay, like, what didn't I get right? Like, let me try saying it back to you again. I understood this part, but not that part. I go back to the explore and validate to make sure I got it. Now, if my kid says that I do get it, then I ask if they want help problem solving. So I say, do you want help problem solving now? If they say they do, great. I am in my zone of genius. I'm like, let's try this. Let's try that. And actually, I have to slow myself down and I have to listen and engage in all of those good things. But I really do enjoy that part. But frequently, kids will say, no, I don't want help problem solving. And actually, that makes a lot of sense. Kids When they feel heard and when they feel understood, they really know how to solve their problems, y'all. Part of life is just being in life with each other, sharing emotions with the people that we love. We don't necessarily need to share problem-solving strategies with people. We just need to feel connected when we're having a difficult time. And so I think it's really, really okay to let your kids solve some of their problems. They may fail on their own, but you will be connected to them through it because you've connected around their feelings. And ultimately, that's the more important part. They're going to realize that they can make some mistakes and they can do things really well and they can fail and they can have hard moments. And no matter what, through all of those things, they're going to have someone with them who is going to know who they are and who will support them and love them unconditionally, no matter what they bring to you. Guys, I just made myself cry. I don't even know how I did that. But ultimately, I think it's true. We think so much of our parenting is around teaching our kids and showing them who we want them to be and helping them get there. And as I get older, I realize that just being with people in their hard times and being with people in their good times is just a gift. And when you think about that, we don't have to do the problem solving with our kids. If they let us, awesome. If they don't, it's okay because we're there with them through the important part, which is we're there with them with their feelings, whether they're good or bad. Oh, I didn't even mean to get cheesy. Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a great weekend and I'll talk to you all soon. If you found this podcast helpful, go ahead and subscribe and share. And more importantly, if you think you or someone you love would benefit from collaborative therapy, psychological assessment, or psychiatry services, you can find out more about our practice at Active and Connected Family Therapy, www.activeconnected.com. Again, that's www.activeconnected.com. Thanks so much for listening.